Alrighty, and everybody welcome. My name is Roger Berry and welcome back to But Are You Happy? I have Cat Calabrese here today with us. Um, we're super pumped to have you and thank you for coming. Thank you um, so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. I'm, I'm loving it. So you're from Cleveland, born and raised. Yes. And where did you grow up? Lakewood. Lakewood, okay. You grew up on... Like what part of Lakewood? East side, I grew up west on the side, west side, Edgewater, to be super specific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My uh, dad grew up on Lake Avenue. Oh, okay. Mm. I love Lakewood. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. You walk everywhere. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, and you're close to downtown, and it's not too suburban. Like it's just kind of a great, it's a good happy run. medium. Yeah. You went to Magnificat in 09. What was your experience at Mags? Um, <laughs> I kind of dreadfully asked that because I know the answer, but... No, I mean, you can tell from my hesitation. Um, I didn't have, a, like, a bad experience, but I was kind of over it day one. Like, I just... I struggled to feel like I found, like, where I fit in there. I, I had good friends, but I just felt like I just... I couldn't care about some of the things that they cared about. I just kind of felt beyond it. I've always felt like a little bit older. Like I think I was born like 85 mentally. So a lot of it, I just felt like I just, I'm ready for college, you know? So that's, I know a little bit about you because we had mm -hmm. spoke. So, um, but you got to fill that blank in for me. Lead me into your life after high school. Like what happened? Yeah. Where did you go? Were you in college? Did you, when did you start singing? I kind of want to hear a little bit of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Music has always been a big part of my life. Um, singing specifically was not. I'll delve into that. But I grew up playing the piano from like six to 18, like pretty competitively. And so that kind of developed my love of music while I was finding my way to singing. So after high school, I went to Duquesne University in Pittsburgh and while I was there it took me a little bit to to decide like what do I want to do here what do I want my major to be I mean how are you supposed to know at 18 19 like yeah. what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life most people don't even know what our age right now. I, I, yeah I feel like half of it is like you never know you just you continue to figure it out as you get older so at that age it's just unrealistic so I started like in liberal arts just kind of as a a, a jumping off point and I started to feel that pressure of, okay, I have to pick something. I have to be out of here in four years. I've got to get a job. Like I was always super hard on myself. Like my parents never had to punish me. Oh, really? <laughs> it was always me. Like it was always my parents being like, you can calm down. Like don't, you know so what you I mean? Really so you were really good in school then. I was. Like I, oh. I prided myself on being a good student. I liked school. I was good at school. I liked learning. So I felt kind of that internal pressure, like, okay, you've got to decide. I chose the really like pragmatic route of accounting. <laughs> Seriously. When like, I found that out about you, I was like the least, I, that's the last thing I expected. You're like, yeah, I'm an accountant. I'm like, most you people, don't strike me as an accountant. <laughs> most people have that reaction. And even like when I chose it and my dad is a financial advisor, my mom is a former CPA accountant. And when I told them what I was going to do, okay, all kinds of accountants around here. Unite. <laughs> um, but when I told them like what I wanted my major to be, they even looked at me kind of with that same look you gave me. Like, are you sure? Yeah. Like you are you sure? Like I'm always so like English and writing and language driven and music, and they're like, I don't know, but okay. So it was never a pressure from anyone but myself. So when I was there, I really struggled with it. Um, I had always been good at school. 
but I, it was not clicking for me. I really struggled in those first few semesters, like understanding like things that just seemed to come more easily to everyone else. And it just wasn't fitting. And I think because like truly in many ways, I wasn't supposed to be there doing that. And I kind of, I felt that voice in my head saying like, this isn't right. This isn't right. But at the same time, I didn't know what the other option was. Like I didn't have something in my head going, you should be doing this instead. So because I didn't have that picture in my head and because of this mounting pressure of like graduations looming, I stuck with it and I just kind of dug my heels in and kept going and it got easier and, and I graduated. I had a couple really great internships. So naturally, I decided, let me go get a master's in it, too. Yeah, of course. Why not? <laughs> Let's just go for yeah. it at this point. At the time, you know, the the route was uh, to become a CPA, which for those of you who don't, don't know, it's Certified Public Accountant. It's it's essentially like going to law school and taking the bar exam. Like it It is like a licensing that is another degree of just a notch in your belt, basically. So I got my master's with the idea that I'm going to be a CPA, it's one of the hardest tests literally in the world and I couldn't pass it. I think everybody in the world could attest to the fact that I could not pass that. I, I couldn't, no matter what I did, I was studying like, no, no joke, like 50 hours a week. Like I was doing everything that they said you should do. How long did you study for before you actually took the test? Um, uh, I think they have like these review courses. So it right. was whatever the length of that was. And there's multiple parts. So I spent six months trying, taking, failing, trying again. That voice in my head was, you're not supposed to be doing this. But again, I was like, I'm too far in. It's crazy at at 22, I was was feeling like I'm stuck. Did you have an idea of which direction you wanted to go? Even though you felt stuck, were you like, oh, well, I want this instead? Or you just felt stuck in the sense of like... Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and that's why like I kept going because I still didn't have that feeling of like, okay, well, you've got to do something. Right. So what is it going to be? So again, I just kind of like blazed forward while really unhappy about it. And like to the point where I would get emotional. Even I talked to my parents, I'd be like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Like right. I just feel it. And they were always like, what do you want to do? Like they always were supportive, but it, I always came up short. Fast forward a few years and I'm I'm in my accounting career and I'm still, I don't have any creativity in my life. I get it. I'm like singing in secret. <laughs> you were As singing I in always secret did. for real. And that was kind of my one like bright spot, but nobody, nobody knew that. You didn't tell anybody. Literally no one. You like, didn't tell anybody. Like not Which a is soul. awesome, I think. Were you just like belting out songs in the shower oh, and no I would, one like, knew? Like when I was like living at home, like when my parents weren't home, like I would use that as my time to just sing. Or if I was in the car, of course, I was singing. Right. But the second like anyone would be near me, I like became mute. You're just like. No. I didn't even like, like if I were to open my mouth, like nothing would have come out. <laughs> I was so afraid of it. What? year did you graduate college then 13 2013 and then you mm-hmm. went and got your master's yeah and that was like that? Cleveland Cleveland State Cleveland so State. I moved back here I was in a relationship at the time which was for sure a factor in me coming back um and I loved grad school moving but... for a relationship who does that? And well, <laughs> well it's crazy because we had been long distance for like four years but he lived here and so I felt pressure to come back 
you know, it colors your whole experience, especially at that age. Um, and so I came back here and he didn't even know, (laughs) like no one knew we were together six years and he never knew, like I had music in me. (laughs) So you're an accountant all day, every day. Mm -hmm. You, you're secretly singing. You're not telling anybody about it. (laughs) When did you decide, okay, you know, I'm not going to be a fucking accountant the rest of my life. You know, (laughs) like this isn't what I want. Because I've been there Mm -hmm. career-wise. I've been in the car business for a really long time. And um, you're right. You just, there's no creativity. It sucks. The people that are there mostly hate their job as well. I mean, that's what I had to deal with. When did you decide, like, fuck this. I'm going to start singing. So it wasn't until, it was another several years. It wasn't until 2018 I kind of stumbled into it I met someone and right as I was like on the cusp of meeting them like say a couple months prior I'm sure we'll talk about it I've struggled with depression and anxiety my whole life and not having any creativity in my life I learned through therapy that it was really like probably an antidote that I just hadn't learned to access yet and it was kind of crazy timing I was in my therapist's office and he had honed in on this piece as kind of like the piece of the missing puzzle. And so it was this conclusion like, okay, yes, you need to have a realistic career. You know, you've got to survive. You've got to put food on your table, but you've got to find a way to tap into this pull that you felt so strongly because I think that's going to make you overall happier. So I was like, okay, I've identified it. And so I was for a couple of months trying to figure out like, do I start doing open mics? Like, do I play my piano? Like, do I, you know what I mean? Like, do I, I start putting myself out there because of a dating app. I walked into a bar in little Italy and everything changed. And that was essentially the, the music journey starting because of this date. You start singing, you get into this relationship. Tell me more. Tell me about that relationship. Yeah. I really do want to hear more about that relationship buckle up <laughs> yeah just because i think it would be a really good it, it really is good background for your story and then after listening to a lot of your songs you can see where it comes from absolutely right so yeah. yeah no that that relationship for better or worse is really the catalyst of of all of this so i'm happy to talk about it instantly there was a connection there truly like I had never experienced before. And what I year think is this? this is 2018, 2018 like okay. April, 2018. And so one of the things we immediately bond over is our love of music. We were both in non-musical jobs. He was a doctor, I'm an accountant, so very non-creative spaces. We start talking about music and for whatever reason, I think in part because maybe he was a stranger, I felt braver in talking about my interest and in wanting to sing um, rather than like sharing it with a close friend. So we, we kind of start seeing each other. And I remember randomly, I was like, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to send him. It was just like a voice memo of me sitting at my piano playing and singing. And I remember like he responded and he's like, oh my God, like your voice is amazing. Right. And he said like, I've been wanting to put together a band forever. His roommate at the time was at Cleveland Institute of Music. Is that what it's called? I just blanked. If that is like... I'd be a lot. It is. It's CIM. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I like didn't want to 
say the name. Incorrectly. Don't want to be wrong. <laughs> no, I don't want to be wrong. I get it. I don't want anyone listening that goes there to be like, oh my God, she doesn't even know. Anyway, so he had already kind of been playing a little bit with his roommate. One day, I thought we were going out to dinner. I come over, like I thought we were going to just walk to the place. And he goes, so my roommate's home. Let's write a song. And I was like, you don't understand. I don't sing in front of people, let alone people that I like secretly have a crush on. Yeah, right? Like that's not happening. Yeah, not happening. And kind of, I didn't have the time to talk myself out of it. And so it was really the best thing that it could have ever happened. I remember sitting in a room. I was barely audible. I was so nervous. I had like a shot of tequila. I don't even really drink and I needed something. Yeah. All of a sudden, we just start writing a song and I start singing. And it was kind of like just the kickoff of like I never stopped again. It was one of those things like I had known for a while. I know myself well enough that there was a Band-Aid that needed ripping And I was really struggling with taking that initiative. But I knew that once I did that, I'd be good to go. And the confidence would be there. I just couldn't get myself over that hump. And so that day was literally the the beginning of it all because it felt like the lights turned on kind of in my life. Like It was like living like dull colors. And then all of a sudden it was in Technicolor. Like everything just snapped into place. And I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Right. Not only with music, but this is also like where I'm supposed to be with this person. And so it was kind of this perfect storm of like everything coming together. And for a while it was perfect. Um, we were in a band, a local band called Rule of Young. We're still on Spotify, I think, or, uh, you know, all those streaming places. I don't listen to it anymore, but um, it it was kind of a whirlwind. Like, you know, we started, we played... They weren't your 2022 Spotify favorites? No. There, there was no Spotify wrapped. <laughs> Not at Show all. Them no. Oh my God. If Spotify had done that, somehow played a joke, I would have like been very upset. So but... <laughs> Um, but we played the local circuit and then we turned around, we did it again. Like we, we just, you know, we start, we started a band at one point there were five of us. That was kind of my life for two and a half years. And very quickly that voice in my head about accounting and feeling like I wasn't where I was supposed to be like muted itself. So I learned to. Now, now when you say it muted itself, was it a situation where you felt like, okay, I don't ever want to do accounting again, or is it like, hey, I don't mind this as much as long as I have this to do as well? The latter, for Mm -hmm. sure. It made accounting feel like it had an appropriate place in my life. Like accounting then became, don't get me wrong, it's a great career and I'm grateful for the job I have now. I was able to then feel like this is what I do, but music is who I am. And having the ability to kind of have this steady career and then allow myself to take more risks in music because I wasn't literally depending on it for a livelihood, I think it it made both more enjoyable and they complemented each other really beautifully and they still do. Um, And so that intolerable feeling I had about the direction of my life in that accounting direction no longer existed which was kind of was a confirmation. Okay, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. What an amazing moment, though. Yeah. Right? It had like, been a long time coming. Like, what a fucking click. That's how Absolutely. I felt when I started, like, just 
setting all this up and getting it going and then you get to sit and get have conversations with people yeah I know that feeling and that's a good feeling yeah especially after living so many years denying my own instincts like it was just like it blows me away it was like my subconscious was like yeah no shit when you started singing (laughs) did anybody come out and go oh I know you could sing no or I've like I've I've heard you never no, everyone Were you in the was, choir or anything? I I was in the grade school choir. And then at Mag's, it was like a requirement early on. Like you do like a, a quarter semester of it or whatever. Oh. But nothing, you know, like for real, like choirs or acapella groups, nothing like that. But no, it was the opposite. It was, who are you? It was like, I remember the first time I played something for my mom. She was like, I don't, who's singing? I was like, that's me. She goes, what doesn't even I heard that a lot it doesn't even sound like you and I was like does that mean my speaking voice is like really horrible (laughs) or like there's a compliment in there but like I'm not sure if I should be offended too so no no one came out and said like yeah I knew it was what that's crazy it was pretty wild that is insane yeah (laughs) Um, best kept secret I guess do you think when you so you started singing the ball gets rolling mm-hmm. at what point do you have confidence enough in a song that you write or whatever it might be to record it and it then happened. put it out there because i feel like it's one thing to have the confidence to sit down and sing in front of people and record yes. it and have it for yourself and that's a totally different story when you're putting it out to the public and stuff and i i know how that is but you are i mean you're singing Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. much different, you know? Yes. It's kind of like someone like reading your diary. Yeah. And also like, or like you're reading your diary, like in your underwear. <laughs> you That's know what crazy. I mean? Like yeah. the most exposure. And so. I usually read my diary. I mean, really, it, there's no other way. <laughs> 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 so if we're talking about my band days, that all happened really fast. Like we were, so like April, like. I wrote my first song with the guys and then by August we had recorded five songs. So at the time um, there is a producer who lives locally who's who's a legend in this business, Jim Wirt, who I love dearly, a good friend of mine still. He worked, still works at a studio downtown called Superior Sound. And funny enough, my ex, one of his favorite bands is produced by this producer so like i don't know jack's mannequin um, some of those like those early 2000 yeah rock bands that was all jim wirt and so really kind of kismet that all of a sudden my ex starts calling around to studios to see like let's go in and record and that happened to be the one and we became produced by a multi-platinum emmy award-winning producer within like three months It was was kind of crazy. And so there wasn't ever this conscious choice, at least on my part, to be like, this is when I'm deciding to release. It was just kind of like my ex was driving the ship um, and I was just really happy to be there. I think I was so high on this internal relief that I had of finally feeling like I found my footing that I wasn't really like actively asking questions or making decisions now we want to talk about you've recorded a couple songs you are doing really well you're enjoying yourself your relationship's going well you're not in that band anymore though so what happened yeah so fast forward to 
2020. I don't know anyone that had a good 2020. No. Um, and so I had made plans with my ex. We were still doing music together. Our band members had dwindled. A lot of just things had happened, which came out later, which leads into how this relationship ended. And we were planning to move across country to LA. My ex had taken a job at one of the hospitals there and I was ready to go with him. I mean, we were basically, he was my end game. So we had had conversation after conversation about the move and he'd talked to my parents to make them comfortable and everyone was on board. Um, and it was in August of 2020 that I got a phone call from him and he said, I don't want you to come with me. <laughs> Damn. And like, I know people are always like, there were signs. I'm telling you there weren't. Like it was night and day if I've ever experienced it. It, it went from a hundred to zero in a matter of days. And so at this point, you know, I've, my home is on the market. I told my job, um, thankfully, they allowed me to stay, but like we were all systems go. And then for this to happen, I was like, I, I don't have all the information here. What's going on? What am I missing? And I was made to feel like it was my fault. Um, and he essentially just told me he didn't feel enough for me. And he wasn't quote, 300% sure about me. I didn't know that was like a real form of measure in order to uh, take me Away and from everything. How far away are you like from moving at this point? Like ten days out. Ten days. Yeah, it was it was wild. <laughs> that's a it's a dick move. It's, oh <laughs> that's yeah. A dick move. And it was it was so beautifully crafted on his part because he made himself like the good guy, being like, I don't feel enough and I don't feel right about it. Like as if he was somehow protecting me while we had spent a year planning this. Like I wasn't holding a gun to his head. He was always the one you know, being like, I want you to come with me and this move has to be right for both of us. If it's not, I'm going to stay here. Like it was, we are a partnership. Right. Um, and so it, this was just a 180, like I'd never experienced. And it was like, when I say a shock to my nervous system, like I couldn't function. Right. I, I, could, I, I couldn't move for like three days. It was, it was scary. Like it, it was, I, I felt horrible for my parents for being that scared. And they were also shocked and this was someone they knew and loved and so we were all kind of like just reeling and being like what the what the fuck like what what is there that we're missing there's got to be something and so I was just really heavily beating myself up and also was as more time was passing I was aware like not only is my relationship ending but like music's gone were you from a mental health standpoint when you were going through that were you doing anything to kind of keep your head on straight or were you just kind of just like because i went through a hard time well i i say i put myself through a hard time mm. i don't really think i went you know what i mean I, it's, it's all my fault so um i gotta ask do you feel like you took care of yourself at that point or were you just like fuck it because I, um, I went with a fuck it mentality, and it was not the move. I will say, uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything good for me, but I also wasn't doing anything bad. I was literally just kind of lifeless, like laying in my bed. It did get to a point where I called my mom and I said, I think I need to go to the hospital. I knew I didn't feel stable enough. Right. 
And I had never gone through something like that before. And I didn't even really know what I was going to say or do when I got, like, to the emergency room. But just the fact that, like, it had gotten that bad because, like, my my nervous system was, like, just shutting down, truly. Um, that in itself was world-rocking. So I guess I would say that overall was a good choice that I made for myself, that I had the strength even in that moment to have the wherewithal of being, like, I'm not okay. I need some help. Um, but it certainly didn't feel like a positive choice at that time. No, of course. But when you acknowledge that you need help, that's yeah, it's fucking huge. And it's yeah, like such a big first step, too, because a lot of people don't realize when you're going through a really difficult time or whatever it might be, you don't see what everybody else is seeing. Right. You know, you're not you're not out from the outside looking in, which is a really tough part to acknowledge after the fact you know what Absolutely. i mean like i look at how depressed i was at one point i look back at that and i'm like what was i doing yeah like what the fuck dude it's like it's not you yeah i mean that's you got to look yourself in the mirror and that mm-hmm. that's the worst part you know like yeah. that was for me especially when you're going through depression but for what you have going on i mean you had seemingly lost everything you yes. know what i mean that you had counted on did you seek therapy did you go you you said you went to the hospital but i did okay um thankfully i wasn't admitted i I really didn't want that to happen um and it and it didn't and so when i got home um i felt i wasn't doing a lot literally for myself like i wasn't my mom was assisting in like making phone calls and like calling like you know, I had been on medication in the past to deal with like antidepressants and things yeah. like that. So we called my psychiatrist to see if I could come in and just, yeah. you know, let's Everybody's see. Everybody's like, taking those nowadays. Yeah. Too. Oh, absolutely. It's so normalized. And, I, and this, I was taking 20 milligrams of Lexpro. I've been on, I've been on that one. You know, I hit the <laughs> Name Lexpro. it, I've tried it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, dabbling in the antidepressants. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's. It's almost an art, not a science, to find the right combination. So it's just like you kind of have to go window shopping, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the purpose of going just to to have a session with him was more to see, like, I need something to get me up enough so I can take care of myself as I go through this. Because I'd hit bottoms before, but this was like a bottom I didn't know existed. Yeah, <laughs> like right. a new depth. And so... Were and, you suicidal at any point? If you don't want me asking? I was. I get Absolutely. it. I understand yeah. it. And that's that's huge of you to say. Yeah, that was, I, I've also had those thoughts, and um, that's a dark fucking place. That's it's a, a real dark, dark place. place. People don't understand. But look at you now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but look at you now. You're yeah. glad you stuck around, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that was, I mean, I, even in the depths of that type of ideation, you know, having the wherewithal to go, I need to go to the hospital so I don't do this, mm-hmm. in itself was, it's, I, I am defiant when it comes to those voices, no matter how strong they get. Like, I've always been able to, like, outlast them. Right. And so even, like, at that absolutely unequivocally lowest point in my life, I didn't give in to it. And so after like the initial shock started to wear off, I was I was really blaming myself. I felt like I lost the perfect man. Literally, he was perfect to me. Even his imperfections I thought were perfect. Like mm. I was in love like I had never experienced, but I had always hoped to feel. Right. Um, and so I was still dealing with a lot of self-blame, but I I like 
all of a sudden kind of had this feeling of maybe I can do music on my terms now. Like even in the depths of that, I was still like, hmm, like the wheels were still turning. Of course. And so as I'm like crying and grieving and like watching my comfort shows, just trying to survive, I'm also like simultaneously making an Instagram account. Like I don't even know I'm doing it. You didn't even have an Instagram. I No, I didn't. I hate social media. Like, I, if I didn't have music, I wouldn't have it. Okay. Um, and What's so, your hatred towards social media? Why? Um, Besides, the, like, I mean, it, obviously it disconnects everybody. I know it's supposed to connect everybody, yeah. but... For me, it's it's a spiral of comparison. Um, and it, it's, it. it's not even, like, other people. Fortunately, I've never really had to deal with, like trolls or like really awful people um but it's more like what it does to me personally like i can be having a great day and i go on social media and it's oh yeah that's right you're not good enough like that Mm -hmm. internal fire starts because social media is such a trigger for that and also like i just think we were all better off we're all better off when we're not on our phones and so social media, it should be called anti-social media. So you hate social media. Now, how do you feel about it now that you're on it, you're using it, you're probably interacting with a lot of fans, stuff like yes. that? I will say I've been really lucky that I haven't encountered like nastiness or anything, which is great. Um, and I now, I've had to kind of reframe the way that I look at it in order to be okay with it because me bitching about it is not gonna make it go away. So it's really wasted energy on my part for me to like get myself worked up. So I reframed it as, this is my resume. So everything I do there is essentially like a bullet point on like a Word document being like, this is what I can do. Or as, as for prospective collaborations or any kind of submission that I might make to, I don't know, like a, a label or whatever, I use that as a way to hopefully rise above the white noise and be like, oh, she's serious. Right. Like she takes this seriously. So I look at it as, like I said, my resume. And I also look at it as a way of being able to share my story, which is what this is. This is why this began. So I wanted to go back to that. You know, you're in this lull, you guys break up. Mm-hmm. When, when did you realize that, you know, maybe this is like, the best thing that's happened to me and then is this when you kind of realize or achieve the identity that you've been really looking for on your own right because i know what it's like to feel as if you have achieved something with somebody else right and you also feel like you would never be where you're at today without that Mm -hmm. whether the experience was good or bad but i want you to tell me more about how you turned this horrible situation into you re-acknowledging the fact that hey I love music that's still here for me yeah so as I was grieving I just kept having that feeling of realizing that rule of young was not my vision it was not my sound it was it was not my aesthetic and so I now I was now in the driver's seat and I could do it the way that I wanted on my terms and not be met with some of the resistance that I had been during those those times. So really without me even realizing what I was doing, I started just I, I started my Instagram. I deleted the old I, I deleted completely the rule of young. Oh, okay. Um he was not happy about that, but I was like, 
you left, bro. Yeah, like you're out. we're not going to be putting out another single. It's gone, mm-hmm. you know? And so I kind of used that as a reintroduction. I started, you know, following people that I we had followed at Rule of Young and kind of just slowly like being like, "Hey, I'm still here." Within like a week, I was I was considering like maybe I'm going to go into the studio. Maybe I'm going to, you know, I've got some songs that I always wanted to record with the band, but like there was always again that resistance because my writing style even then was much more pop than the alt rock that our sound had become. So okay. I had these songs like Sitting. Sarah, in a lot of ways, almost held back yes. in that situation. Yeah. And so, again, there was some, like, spite in in the way that I was feeling. Like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it better. What really kind of then lit the fire was um, I started getting phone calls and DMs and texts from women that I didn't, I didn't know, um, never seen their names before. Essentially, the, I remember that I'll never forget the first message I got. It was within like 10 days after the breakup. I don't even know how she knew we broke up because, well, I, I later found out she'd followed us on mm-hmm. Rule of Young. And when it got deleted, she kind of put two and two together. And I'll never forget. She said, I'm so sorry he did this to you. He does this to everyone. And it literally opened Pandora's box and really then also pushed my intensity with the music because I was angry, I was traumatized, and I was kind of just frantically pushing myself forward in order to survive. So not only am I building this music, but I'm also kind of dealing with this, like, for lack of a better way to call it, my own mini Me Too movement, if you will. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So he... He did. He moved out to UCLA or whatever. Yeah, he, left. he was gone. Now, you had, we had talked the other day, and you had kind of briefed me a little bit. Mm-hmm. You started making music. What was the first song you actually came out with by yourself? And then um, also talk about the music videos you do, too, because those are super cool. Yeah. So my first single was... And then we'll get to, like, the juicy Oh, shit. no, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to... <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm all about this, so... Okay, go ahead. So I officially declared myself a solo artist in September of 2020. And March 5th, 2021, I had six songs ready to go. And so Quicksand was released on March 5th of 2021. And so that's my first... My first baby. Yeah, we. I had prior to that, um, like I said, I had done all these songs and decided I had met a great videographer and photographer, Owen Zubek and Jillian Bartholomew. I've got to shout them out. They're amazing. And so prior to the release, I knew, like, I don't want to just put out a song to put it out. I If I'm going to put my time into writing and recording something, I need to curate the images around it so that I can start building my social media. I think I had like a hundred followers. I needed to do something. And so we decided to start shooting these like short form music videos, like 30 seconds to 60 seconds to essentially use for like TikTok, Reels, Facebook ads, like all that stuff. So I had banked all of this content and then I decided, I think Quicksand's the the first, the right first one to be. It's and that upbeat. was 2021? 
Yeah, okay. March. Okay. It's upbeat, but it's a breakup song, but like I and it's very poppy, so I'm like I feel like this is a good middle ground before I dive into some of the more angry I get it. um emotional songs. Yeah. Yeah, I've listened to Pretty much, I think, all of your songs. And they're great. Thank but you. yeah, you do. You go in on that. Oh, yeah. You go in. I um, do. Are you ever worried about, like, are you ever worried about him having an issue with, you know, your songs or anything that you have to say or anything like that? It had crossed my mind for a while when I was when I was starting to build up my social media, even before I put out any songs. Or just from, like, a even a legal standpoint, yes. right? Like, oh, Yes. There had always been, after I started learning all of these things about him, like the really insidious, just awful things from these other women and their experiences, it started crossing my mind that I don't think I've seen the last of him. I don't know what it looks like, but based on what I know and what I had learned about narcissism, and I know that word is so overused nowadays. People just use that word to describe anyone they don't like. I mean, I'm kind of a narcissistic um, fuck sometimes, to be honest but, with you. But also, like, if, I mean, you, I if you say you're a narcissist, you probably aren't one because it requires a level of self-reflection. That's what I want you to think. That... <laughs> That's exactly I, <laughs> what I want you to think. Yep. I'm a Maybe fucking a sociopath too. Watch out. I mean, you wouldn't be the first one I met. Hey, man. <laughs> me neither. Trust me. I've been called every name in the book. I don't know what I am. But I think, I mean, those those terms are used so lightly that we don't really take the time to understand what they mean. And so when I was learning about all of these things, and I truly believe that is qualities that he possesses, I started being concerned, especially knowing that I had been kind of the backbone of his music that he'd been able to make. Even his family would say out loud, he was no good without you. Like we really didn't like his music. We didn't really like his voice. Thank God you came along. Like no joke. They used to kid about it. They used to dog him out. Yeah. So it was one of those things that it crossed my mind. Well, if I'm doing it, and he sees me doing what he can't, he might throw a tantrum. But with his personality, I don't know if it's how loud that tantrum is going to be and what it's going to look like. So you're worried about him having an issue with things you're saying or like the content of your songs. Did it go any further than him just strictly disliking it? Or was it something where he was like, fuck you, cat? You know? Mm -hmm. It did. It went a lot further. It was in the summer of 2021. We had not had any communication with each other since the prior September. When he left, I, and and all of this information about him started coming out, I did my best to insulate myself. I blocked all of his family, all of his friends, because I didn't want to engage in any conversations. I just wanted to be done. So there had been zero communication. I just went, I, I mean, it was like, you're, you're dead to me. Like, I'm done. So imagine my surprise when, I'll never forget this. I'm in a Zoom session with my producer and, oh my God, like, thank God he was there. He's also one of my, like, dearest friends. And so if, if I had to get this news with anyone, I'm glad it was him. But I get this call on Teams because I'm still technically at work while I'm having this Zoom session. And the front office um, assistant calls me and I knew by the way she said hi to me, something was wrong. She goes, hey. And I was like, what? And she goes, I think you're being sued. I'll, I can like hear it. There, there was a moment where I was like, 
I knew this was coming. Like I, I had been checking my mail at my house with like a little bit of fear being like something in me said like this is going to happen. And he had also had this like past of like threatening legal action on people that he didn't like that I had experience like he never threatened me so he just gets but he had an, and just his yeah his mo when someone like finally outs his horrible behavior like he threatened to sue our one of our band members he threatened to sue one of his other ex-girlfriends so it was kind of his mo at this point i hate when people go to the police oh just throwing a tantrum stuff. yeah yeah there okay. was zero threat ever made but it was just one of those like i don't like what you're saying so i'm gonna threaten calling the police and so part of me like half expected like, well, I'm making a lot of noise with my music in terms of like, it's clearly, if you know me, you know who I'm singing about. Right. So while I never outwardly gave details or said his name, people could figure it out. Of course. So she starts reading me what I now know is like the the claim, the, I forget what it's like legally defined as, but... She's reading excerpts of text messages that we had originally exchanged when we broke up. And just like every breakup, there's some nasty texts in there. I'm, I'm pissed, right? Find out the guy that I love is up and leaving when I think I'm moving. I'm expressing anger, like something he didn't know how to do. Mm-hmm. So hearing these texts read back and essentially becoming evidence that I have inflicted emotional distress on him is kind of wild. The official claim... Sounds like a pussy. Oh my God, you said it. <laughs> he sounds like I don't a even fucking know pussy. What he, he's such Love a cow. It. Absolutely. The biggest coward I've ever met. You just don't and, go sue somebody for like, just because you... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to do everything on my power on my podcast to not get sued. <laughs> you know, but like... I can. I got a great lawyer. That's some bullshit. Do. <laughs> yeah, shout out you. What's up, Kat? An amazing lawyer. I know. I'm so pumped now that I know. Um, I'm not yeah. afraid anymore. No, you shouldn't be. I got you. <laughs> I've learned so much that I never wanted to know. Uh, I believe it. Um, but the official claim was intentional infliction of emotional distress. Yes, that's a thing. Did not know that. And the claim is that my songs made him fear for his life. Really? I wish I was kidding because it sounds ridiculous. Fear for his life. Fear for his life. And at this point, I've put out two songs. I put out Quicksand, which is like a a dance pop song. And then a song called Scared of Me, which is a little more pop rock. And it's it's the the song message is, you didn't want me, so I'm going to make you scared of me. A metaphor meaning scared of my power. And you could really twist that either way you want. Be like, Absolutely. I wasn't talking about you and or I, whatever Yeah, it is. there's nothing in there. And also, have you ever heard like Kim by... Eminem or oh, yeah. like some of the like dude Taylor he talks Swift. about killing her right. in like multiple songs like and also music wouldn't exist if people didn't write about breakups and people like Taylor Swift wouldn't have a career I was about to say you Taylor know what I mean Swift like she, have a career. By, the, by this logic I love Taylor Swift too love her too but like people build on heartbreak mm-hmm. so this idea that he could sue me for something as innocuous as writing a breakup what was he song, trying to prove though was he like did he want money or did he, he want wanted it? money he wanted really? a lot of money um and he also wanted um information about a girl that had started an instagram page about him basically <laughs> warning other women i wish and, it was that important what was this instagram page about <laughs> it 
I'm not going to say his name because I just don't want to give him the, the um, I don't know, not even satisfaction, but it was saving. Don't give him the platform. Right. Yeah, like, I get it. It was called it. Saving Girls From and then yeah. Dr. <laughs> insert here. And it was essentially screenshots of women that had basically had conversations with this girl that had been dating him who then she she found out about because I guess he So he was like the ultimate fuckboy. I think that's an insult to fuckboys. I think is he, it really? he, Yeah, wow. because like to me a fuckboy is just stupid. Okay. This was really insidious shit. This was really manipulative, intentional. Right. I hate women. What shit. the fuck? Like, 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 yeah, it's psycho, really. When you were going through that and we were, you were, you know, one day at a time, you're going through a lawsuit, you don't know what the end all be all is going to be. Is there a point where you're going, okay, I'm just going to settle? Yeah. 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 Um, so. Because it just the, ends everything at that point. You but get at the to same time, point, you just, that's, you know. I was very fortunate that. In the grand scheme of things, in the, in the legal world, this was over very quickly. This was over the course of a summer. As we know, legal battles can can go on for years. Right. So in the grand scheme of things, this was a blip. It became very, very clear as my lawyer and his lawyer, a Beverly Hills TV lawyer, mind you. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> like one of those TV, like we don't, like, like, you know, we don't pay unless we get money for you. Oh, One of those yeah, type, yeah, yeah. like yeah. A, a caricature like a of a Tim lawyer. Misery. Yeah, like birth injury? No, like, you know, like someone write a song about you. You're and, actually pretty uh, good at that. They might, they might need you hey, for the next commercial. You know, <laughs> Tim Mizzy's marketing budget has got to be astronomical. That dude is, oh my on, God. That dude is everywhere. everywhere. I want to interview marketing. him. I just wonder if he always has like the eyebrow cocked and like the finger pointing. He fucking like, asked that's him. what I pick. But it's good marketing. I saw him in a Cavs game, mm-hmm. and that dude, he's tall as fuck. Really? He's a big boy. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a big dude, but I want to know what his marketing budget is. That dude's got more be billboards, ridiculous. bus benches. Clearly, they're working. They've got to be for him to afford them and month as, after month. As I've learned, it is scary easy to sue someone. You could sue anybody. For you can anything. sue anyone. And so um, essentially it became very clear to me what his motives were. He wanted the identity of this girl. And he was using me, the only one with a visible identity, as a means. Right. And so as we were proceeding with trying to figure out what to do settling came up as a conversation and immediately i was like fuck that of course never i would literally rather die than give him the satisfaction but after a while i mean it it took over my life i wasn't fun to be around it was all consuming i was so on edge i felt like i was walking around with like a scarlet letter like i felt like everyone knew and i had been humiliated that he had sent it to my work of course so i thankfully it stayed contained but that just felt gross Mm -hmm. and dirty and the whole thing felt dirty and there was a lot of self-blame that i was putting on myself like oh if i had just shut up if maybe if i didn't write that song um which was giving him what he wanted so i got to a point where i considered settling and one of his requirements for settling in addition to her identity was he wanted songwriting credit Get the fuck out of here. And that's when I really, like, it became clear to me. I said, you don't sue someone for writing distressing songs. No, because what he's trying to do is, what, get, like, 
essentially royalties yeah. off you down the road. Yeah, and then what go, P.S., I'm distressed, but I still want to be paid for it. Yeah, of course. And it became very clear to me, I was like, as narcissists do, I starved you of any attention. He thinks he's fucking easy E. Yes. Tying down yeah. Dr. Dre. And also, Get like, fuck you, you don't have the talent to do this, so you can't stand that I'm doing it, and this is your way of throwing a tantrum. And his mom's telling him he sucks. I mean, really. Like, he... <laughs> Like, really not good. I love that so um, much for you. Oh, man. What ended up happening on the lawsuit? So, I went to settle, and we couldn't agree on the songwriting credit and the identity of the girl. Okay. Um, and I remember going back and being like, I, I don't think I can do this. And I remember my dad being like, it's going to be fine. Like, let go to like let's have the hearing because in california with suits like this there is something called an anti-slap s-l-a-a-p statute where i guess it's common with with hollywood these types of like backdoor defamation cases and so essentially this hearing is the judge determining if there is enough evidence to proceed with the actual right. claim okay. or it's going to be thrown out because they don't want to clog up the system and a lot of these are baseless. So my dad was like, trust me, don't settle. It's going to be fine. Like Because essentially what could have happened if during that hearing, if the judge says, yes, proceed, we go to trial. Of course. And then I am dragged through. I had already been vilified. I had already, he had already perjured himself multiple times and I couldn't prove it. And obviously, you know, I still can't. But there there were narratives already being written about me that I wasn't in control of. And the idea of going to trial was terrifying. So I'm on Zoom in my closet because it was the only place that was like super quiet mm-hmm. because there was like construction going on, listening to this hearing happen. Earlier that morning, I'll never forget, I still have the email, my lawyer, because they, they post what the judge expects the outcome to be because the judge has reviewed the case so the preliminary outcome was that the anti-slap is granted and this is going to be thrown out so i get the message from my lawyer going pardon my french but holy shit balls yeah of course i think we're gonna win he was even surprised i couldn't believe it i was like how do you think there's a case here but Lawyers, I think, are like they're probably seen so many hardwired like, to believe the things. sky is falling. Probably. Absolutely, so I can't fault him for it. But he made me and that's feel how they make money exactly. You know? So in the hearing, I'm once again hearing his lawyer, my ex's lawyer, who did not see the preliminary hearing, starting to panic because he realizes, oh shit. I didn't know that this is probably not going to go in our favor. So he's desperately trying to like basically just put me through the ringer one more time. And the judge listens. And my lawyer's like, I don't have any objections, judge. Like, not. I'm just He's sitting here happy. Yeah. So you don't find out that day. You find out like later on, like, like 36, 48 away. hours later oh, or whatever. Oh, okay, so it's pretty quick. And it's posted like online, like on their like online bulletin or whatever. <laughs> like if you made the high school Yeah, it's kind of like that. And so I, we're, I'm on the phone with my lawyer and we're looking at it and officially it had been granted. So, and, and what the judge ruled is that you cannot, I quote, sue for hurt feelings. At most, Calabrese's songs are a petty annoyance. Oh. 
like the idea that I am somehow threatening your life. Because to, to prove emotional distress, you have to prove that the person's behavior is so far outside the societal norm of what is acceptable mm-hmm. that that proves emotional distress. Oh, so yeah. writing a song is somehow sociopathic. like And so clearly it didn't meet the, the burden of proof. And what was really interesting was the judge said that the burden did not come close which essentially means I could have sued his lawyers right. for bringing the case. Yeah, essentially wasted everybody's time. Yes, and it's something called malicious prosecution um, because it's the lawyer's responsibility to tell their client, I don't think you have a case. But finding out he's a Beverly Hills TV lawyer, it, he took him for a ride. Of course, yeah. So it is state law in California when you win a suit like this it is mandated that you are reimbursed in full for your legal expenses. So you got to pay for your lawyer. So he had to pay for his lawyer. He had to pay probably whatever, you know, hourly fee on top, like a commission based. Mm-hmm. And then he had to pay me. Oh, wow. You did really well. Absolutely. Look at you. And so it, it, and you should so, bill him for your time too. Well, there's a there's a hearing that happens where you you request the amount based on, you know, what your lawyer's fees are. Lost wages. Plus, like, I mean, really, I would have loved to have gone after him for pain and suffering, you which should've. I actually had. And my lawyer's like, if you sue his lawyers, we're going to win. Oh, yeah. But I was like, I just want to be done. Yeah. I don't want. Going through the court system sucks. It's horrible and it's, it's so expensive. And I was so grateful for the support that I had with my family. Um, and uh, so it was great being able to reimburse in full that amount because I didn't want any money to come out of their bank account, mine. So it, I felt good about that. But he tried to get me to si- sign an NDA on top of. What did the know, NDA say? That essentially. Any hint of me talking about him, Mm -hmm. anything that he could interpret as being about him, the case could be reopened and I would have to pay back everything that he paid me back. So he essentially wants a non-disclosure, essentially saying you can't talk about anything that involves me at all. I could even say like I had a horrible ex-boyfriend and he could technically try to get that and the thing is with non-disclosures like it's insane yeah non-disclosures the only time the only thing they really work for is when you're in court because nothing really is going to stop anybody from saying whatever the fuck they want anyways absolutely and the idea and my lawyer was like the idea that you won and they are trying to leverage something from you he goes i'm so pissed well i wonder what else he has to hide you know that's the other thing well that or are you worried about somebody else finding out about this that maybe is not involved yet and you're trying to shut it down? You know, you Right. But when you're dealing with somebody like that He's I got mean, a lot to hide. <laughs> and mean, that's the thing is I know it all. And that's and I have the receipts and I think that's what scares him. And so it's one of those things where my lawyer said, if he tries this again, I will ruin his career because I have the means to do it. By far the most traumatizing thing I've ever experienced. And Mm -hmm. that's what I think he got off on. And so the idea that then he put me through all of this, a judge tells you no, and now you literally want to put a muzzle over my face? Like, are, are you insane? And it got to the point where his best friend went to his wedding, who is a lawyer, 
had to talk him down because he had fired his attorneys at this point. Um, my lawyer is threatening to like end him at this mm-hmm. point because he's so frustrated with this back and forth. He's like, pay us the fucking money. Of course. Like there's, what are, you have nothing to stand on. So his best friend calls my my lawyer and goes, this should never have come to court. He's going to pay her the money and it's going to be done. Right. And interesting. Did he ever try to friend, apologize to you? Was there ever a point where, No. really? I Like zero never empathy, heard... sympathy, didn't feel bad? No. What a fucking ass. He's not capable of it. I That's truly believe that. I truly believe he is wired in such a way that he has no empathy. I um, feel like I don't have empathy a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. It was I a- feel like sometimes I, I just, I mean, I always say this. I say for things I've dealt with in my life, I just feel like my bad day mm-hmm. is very different than somebody else's bad day. Absolutely. You know? This was more, But then again, I think- you never know what somebody's been through. Like... Right. Walking down the well, street, the I would never guess that, you know, yeah. you had a super psycho ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And I, I 100% I am still the villain because now what he's done is probably spun this story and been like, she took everything from me. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I lost, but it, but there's no, I, But he's got to realize at some point he did it to himself. You know I what I mean? You got to look in the mirror know. at some point and be like, bro, like, you are the one. Nothing there is, is nobody else ever to blame. his fault. So That's I don't, crazy. yeah. But it's only crazy to me to say that now. Well, um, because you're a reasonable person. <laughs> and you, eventually cause, cause I was reasonable. Most, most yeah. people would think at some point you look in the mirror and go, am I, am I the problem? Yeah, you got to. Okay, so you go through essentially hell in a courtroom. Yes. And then prior to that, hell through your life. Mm-hmm. Just going through a breakup. Then there's a point that it's got a, you know, the court system stuff's over with. At what point are you going, all right, well, like, now I can finally focus on music. And um, how did your life change after you had essentially jumped that hurdle and got out of that relationship and started to move on? So one of the, the biggest pieces of contention I had about the whole suing thing was that aside from the obvious, it was preventing me from healing at all. You can't be healing while you're being attacked, right? Like I had to put the armor on in order to survive. So all of the trauma of just the breakup, then the trauma of all of the other women, that alone, I had to put it on a shelf in order to cope with the trial. Then, or not the trial, the the lawsuit. Thank God it didn't go to trial. Um, then, so so we're now a little over a year out from the, the lawsuit ending. And I'm now in a space and have been over the last year to actually unpack it so I can leave it behind. Right. And that did, all I had wanted throughout that whole process was peace. Just to get to a place where I can just say, I'm done. I'm not even angry. I'm just done. And so it's taken a while. I would say it was really up until this summer that I started to really understand and unpack what I was feeling because I had been in survival mode for the better part of almost two years and I couldn't get out of it no matter how aware I was of it. My body was like there's a block, like I was, there was a block that I couldn't even move past. And it was self-preservation. And when you're in that for that extended period of time, 
it's really hard to come out. Mm-hmm. And so, and I had learned every time I thought it was safe to pop my head out, he hit me again. Yeah, it was one thing after another. So there was also part of me that's like, is he going to come back? Like, is he going to try to kill me? I don't know. At this point, I don't underestimate anything. And so I always felt like even when I was safe, I wasn't. That my head was on a swivel. I was going to either be emotionally attacked. I was going to maybe be physically attacked. I didn't know. As time went on, I'm in therapy at this point. I've been in therapy throughout this whole thing. I start to really break it down in the summer, this past summer. And I hit another low because I was essentially taking off the armor and feeling the pain all over again. And was reminded why I put that armor on Mm -hmm. to begin with. Because being that vulnerable and that raw feels dangerous especially when you've struggled with depression and anxiety There's nothing already. scarier. Yeah. yeah. I agree it's, with that. Dealing with yourself yes. is the hardest part. Yes. And that's I totally understand what you're saying there because it's a long process. I'm sure it's an ongoing process. I know it is for me. Yes. It's a daily thing. Just trying to be better. Exactly. And trying to find a new normal because I'm a different human than I was two years ago and I'm still getting to know her. Um, and there are certain things that I don't like. There are certain things that surprise me, you know, and I'm also working on my music and now I'm very proud. I, I did not stop releasing throughout that whole lawsuit. I, I refused. So now I was in a space where I didn't have that like as a distraction of like, you know, something else I had to deal with. But I quickly realized like the music isn't fulfilling me because I'm in so much pain and the music has become a trauma response. I have used it as a way to avoid looking at all of the hurt. So I've thrown myself into this and I'm working my ass off and I'm always working and I'm so consumed by it, but I'm not happy because it's just a way of postponing doing that deep dive. It's inevitable. Exactly. So it's taken me, and I'm still working on it. I'm in, I probably, knock on wood, in the most even space that I've been in since I've started this whole journey. I'm not happy. I'm not sad. I'm just content right now. Mm -hmm. And that feels great. Yeah. Um, I I would say I I would actually agree with you. Yeah. I'm right there too, because in a lot of people... People deal with bad relationships and then a bad situation to follow. People are going to deal with that differently. Some people deal with it by jumping into another relationship right away. Right. And like in my case, I'm glad I didn't do that. You know what I mean? Because I think it's one of those things too where that like really masks what's going on. Right. Like that's a that's a sweet way to be like, I'm going to distract myself from this bullshit. And then you're um, gonna put it on someone else when it eventually comes out yeah, sideways. Yeah, you don't want to cut on, or you don't want to bleed on somebody that didn't cut you, exactly. right? And exactly. I think it's crazy though how many people like right after the fact. Well, I think it's it, you gotta or they be have real somebody good being to alone. To. Yes. You see that a lot now, and yes, I just couldn't do that because Mm-mm. I couldn't give you my all. Number one, and right. then number two, it's like you have to give yourself some sort of time. Absolutely. Just to chill the fuck out. Yeah. And also like... Unless you're a robot. Right. Or I I think so. Or a fucking psycho. That too. Because he did, you know, jump within a few weeks. (laughs) 
But I mean, for the most part, yeah, I think you've got to be good being alone to be a good partner. And I, I took myself out of the game because I'm like, would I make a good girlfriend right now as I'm going through all this stuff? Like if the roles were reversed and I'm dating a guy who's in this space, right? I don't want to own that. No, I didn't do not. this. So it's not fair to someone. I mean, and I'm, I think if you, if you legitimately put in, like if somebody wrote a song with you, Okay. Yeah. But to but to say to somebody, I want credit just because you're singing and writing. Exactly. It's like what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, exactly. It's like you want to copyright my voice. Right. One hundred percent. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean. Absolutely. Get the fuck out of here. So, what was your next single, or was it an, what was it so, that came out next after the lawsuit? You mean? Yeah. So the timing was kind of incredible. I came out. It was one like one week after he signed the papers where the case was dismissed without prejudice, meaning right. it can never be opened again is essentially what that oh, is. That's right. Uh, dead in the water. And I came out with a song called Psychotherapy, which <laughs> I was real proud of that title because it. obviously, you know, psychotherapy is, is therapy, but I separated the words. How'd you come up with, I mean, it's not how'd you come up with psychotherapy. Were there any other options or no? You know, I had written the song. It came out in September of 2021. I had written the song over the holidays the prior year, and it had been untitled that whole time. And okay. I, I was and I was watching Law and Order SVU. Okay. And I was watching. Well, that's the best one, by the way. Oh my god, yeah. it's amazing! <laughs> I'm a yeah. diehard. SVU's and I was watching one. it, and it popped in my head out of nowhere, and I was like. Because I'm all about a play on words. I'm I'm all about, I try to be really clever in my lyrics when I want that to be the direction. So I was like, how do I, how do I tie this in? And I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. If I just, it's a play on words, right? And so also that song kind of being like my final, actually, I don't want to say final because I've got a couple more songs for him. But like really, the, I've, the, got the, I've got more. a couple more. Like it's not, it's not done yet. But um, I got a couple more nails. To a couple more nails. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I should, that should use that as a title. That's so funny. But that song in particular was me taking my power back. Good. Um, and so that was that was my fifth single at that point. And so March to September, that was. When did you realize that people were really listening to your music? That song felt like a turning point for me mm-hmm. because it was the it was by far at the time my most vulnerable song, and I think at the time my best song. Um, a lot of my other songs had been recorded at a time before I had any vocal training. M- my voice has changed so much; it's so much more; it's so much stronger. I sound I. At the time, I was a singer. Now I'm a vocalist. And there is a big difference. And so psychotherapy was the first taste of how my voice was developing. Okay, so you write that song. When was your most recent album? I've never released or, an album. Or a Just, single. Um, October 28th, 2022, Spotlight was my last one for That's a great song, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you Do so you... much. Do you... Write all of your own music? Yes. Really? Yeah. And how long does it take on average for you to write a song? It depends. So a lot of the first ones that came out were like kind of have an unorthodox style. Or maybe it's not. 
um, I just kind of get like a melody in my head and I just compose it like acapella. Like I'm not, I mean, I play piano, but it's never really assisted in my songwriting. You know, when I'm composing, I'm not like fiddling with strings or keys. I'm just kind of like just humming what I think would be interesting in my head. And then like Spotlight, for example, DJ London Bridges had come up with like a, it was just like a cool synth. Like it's, it's the very beginning and you hear it throughout the song. And so he put together like an instrumental of just like a really rough idea and I wrote to it. So I just started like listening and I'll start to get a melody in my head and I'm typically sitting at my computer and I just have the mic on and I'm just like humming. So if I get an idea, I can be like, what did I just do? Right. Um, so that's my favorite way to write is if an instrumental has been created and then, you know, based on the mood of it and what I want to write about, I then fill in the blanks and find the melody. So typically I find the melody and then I go into the lyrics. Do you always record a song after you write it? Or do you do you have like a book of songs you've written that you haven't recorded? Or do you have, like how many songs would you say that you have total, not released, mm. but just... I have, it's interesting because in the In your ones... diary that you read everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. The ones that I have that I've been writing lately, because I was I wrote a lot this year, those are all going to be used. So I have a, a tons, probably hundreds of like half they're not even half written. They're less than that. It's it might even just be like humming a few bars, like in my phone. And is it every day at some point that um, you're throwing down? Not a lot. Like I go in phases. Okay. Because sometimes when I'm so focused on like the business side, like 99% of what all indie artists do is not music. It's the business stuff. It's the administrative crap. It's the social media. Yep. Really the creativity takes a back seat because you are the CEO. You are everything. So I have to be in a space where like I have an idea and my intention that day is to like write a song. And so I've been wanting to write for a while with this intention of, you know, just developing my sound into 2023. So typically I've been writing with the purpose of this is going to be something. If something is just not working, then I just leave it. But for the most part, everything I've written has become something. Would you say now you are happier than you've been in a long time? Or do you feel like um, your the journey has at least begun to get to that point? So I think I'm finding a little bit better balance in my approach with music. It's felt so high stakes for so long for myself. I put, I mean, part of my personality is I turn the intensity up to 11 on mm -hmm. anything. If I get into it, if I get passionate about it, it becomes all or nothing very quickly and I hold myself to ridiculous standards. Sometimes that can be good because it means in a year and a half, you do a shit ton and then people are like, how'd you do this so fast? Right. But in the meantime, there's been many times I've been miserable doing it. So I think right now, I am happiest with the way that I am perceiving music. I'm, I love it, but I'm also not allowing it to make me feel like if I'm not doing something, I'm a failure. Good for you. I still really struggle with comparison all the time. There are things that I desperately want that like I just would give anything to have. And when I see other people that have it, 
I just get really sad that I'm not there. Like I admire the hell out of them, but I'm also like, fuck, I want that. It's the so best motivation. Yeah, it is absolutely. You know, it really is because you put yourself in that position then to be like, okay, I want that, and then what am I going to do to go achieve it? Yes. Right. And knowing that I have that ability, I don't just talk about it; I do it. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing I can say about myself, like you're a doer, I make it happen. I hate I hate words like actions. Just right. do it. And that's how I've, like... Somebody once told me, they're like, life doesn't happen to me, I happen to life. Yes. And I mean... It's a choice. That's how I am now. I was not like that. But I try to be, like, organized and planned. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Because it, it changes fucking everything, what you do. Absolutely. And good things start to happen. 100%. And so I think, like, I'm trying to just get to that place. And then that in itself is leading me to a happier space for sure. What would you say your most meaningful song is to you? When I say meaningful, whatever that means to you. Sure. You know what I mean? Like what is, what's your song? It's for sure. And it's right now because I always know that my best songs, my vocal coach always says your best song should always be ahead of you. So right now, I think it will always hold a dear place in my heart is 65 milligrams. It's a good song. Thank you. I listened to it like three or four times yesterday. Hell yes. I was getting down. Thank you. It's by far the one that I am most proud of. Definitely. How long did it take you to write that? I got the rough structure of it, I'd say, in probably an hour. Interestingly, it had started off as a potential collab with someone that I'd been really wanting to work with for a while. And he sent me an instrumental and I wrote to it and he didn't like it. And granted, at the time, I wasn't as good at recording myself. I didn't have the right equipment. My voice, I still at the time couldn't really get to those notes. So I was straining and you could hear it. And so I don't think I gave it my best performance for him. So I sat on the song for a while because I was like, lyrically, I really love this. I think this could be something. And then I brought it to... DJ London Bridges because I was like I got permission to use you know I wasn't using anything that the DJ had done I gotcha, but I, I always gotcha. still like to get the yeah. stamp of approval and he's like yeah absolutely well you just so, never know right you it never pops know people get yeah and, and I was like a lot of money gotta, gets involved yeah. and everybody gets a little pissed you never yeah. know no. you never know people suck you know <laughs> that because like that's the bullshit that you got to deal with that yeah <laughs> that's how it is though that's Absolutely. 100% how it is. But thankfully, like, he's lovely and it was fine. And so I brought it to him and he just took the vocals and started building the instrumental that you hear now. And it took on this new life. And then I went back and it was my first experience recording in Logic, like with a real mic, like the, the Shure mic yep. and, and with my Mac. And I meticulously, like, it was my first one. I recorded all those vocals myself. And so that was a big point of pride as well. Of course. And also being able to then show how my voice had developed for those bigger notes that once before I could never have hit. So all of that tied in, I think it became my favorite. And also it was pretty cool because then that DJ reached back out and said he loved it. Yeah, see, that's and I was like, right that was cool. A little, a little extra on <laughs> yeah, top right there. full circle moment for sure. What do you, do you have any songs that you plan to release soon? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So there is a remix of 65 milligrams. Okay. Okay. Out. I'm getting excited um, now. January is the plan, and I'm planning on essentially doing what I've been doing. I went back and forth a little bit. Like, do I want to do an EP? What do I want to do? But singles have been good to me. It's a great way to stay consistent. Also, that's the market. Like people listen one song at a time. Unless you're Taylor Swift, you can do an album whenever the hell Taylor you want. Swift is a stud. Absolutely, oh God, the yeah. power that woman has. She's is a fucking incredible. legend. She is the industry for sure. I would never want to break up with Taylor Swift. No, no, you. Want well, to talk about your life being over? Talk about. I'm not like, worried about cancel culture. I'd be worried about breaking up with Taylor 100%. Swift. One hundred percent. Oh, totally. And so after that remix is when the new phase starts. Um, and I'm still going to be doing singles, but I'm rolling them out as a series. Oh, I like that. And I haven't even talked about it, but um, it's going to be called the Trauma Queen series. Oh, I love it. Uh, yes. I was like driving home from the dentist and all of a sudden I was like, I should do an EP called Trauma Queen. And then I decided, I was like, you know, I still want to give each song its day in the sun. So let me roll them out as singles, but kind of close together and as part of this series. And the last song of that series is going to be called Trauma Queen. By far the saddest song I've ever written. Last thing I really wanted to touch on, too, was your Spotify. Mm. You did really well. Thank you. And how many listeners did you have? It peaked like a few weeks ago, but it's dropped off because you get picked up by the algorithm and then they drop you back down. It was up to like 25,000 awesome. monthly listeners. I think it's down to like 10. I don't Damn. mind sitting... My goal was to kind of sit around 10 because it fluctuates every day. I looked day. on your Instagram and I saw the comparison from last year mm. to this year. And I was like, damn. I'm trying. She put it I'm in. I'm trying. You know? She's making it happen. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you. So you said you're planning to re release Trauma Queen. Yes. In January. So 65 milligrams remix will be in January. And then this Trauma Queen series is going to begin, I'm hoping... What I'm planning right now is February. It just, I don't want to rush the art. I have a I have a timeline that I'd love to stick to, but sometimes, like Spotlight, that song took a little longer than both of us ever expected, but it's like, I don't want to put it out just to put it out. So when it's when it's ready, you know, and I'm hoping the way that it's going, they're, they're coming together quickly that I'll be able to hit that timeline. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. That's so exciting. Thank well, you thank so you so much. much. Thank um, you for having me. What is your Instagram? Cat Calibre's music. So, and then you can f find all your music on every single Absolutely. platform, right? If wherever you listen, name it, I'm there. Just Go listen. Cat Calibre's. It's amazing, I swear. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are the sweetest. I so appreciate you. you coming on here. Seriously. Likewise, thank you for having me. Of course.